Bring them out, bring them out, bring them out, bring them out. It's hard to yell when the bat rails in your mouth. Woo! Bring them out, bring them out. 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 Bring them The championship run deep in our vein. The entertainment rolling real cause it's all in the game. Who else you know around the city doing it better than this? Just say look at this. You can look around who better than this. Nobody. Who your team, the Blazers, the Knicks, the Wizards, the Clippers, the Patriots, the Cowboys, Clippers, Tigers, the Chickens. USC, Gamecock, Shamrock, know what it is, man. Triple left a new podcast. Just join the game plan. Come on, Bring them out, bring them out. Welcome to the Fantasy Football Fiend Podcast with your host Zay, Young Vander, and Bro Joe. Hello and welcome back to the Fantasy Football Fiend Podcast. Bonjour, Kanichiwa, Ola, Udenteg, and what's popping good people? All right, so hell of a show today. We got your news, we got your NFC East breakdown, of course, our normal arguments and hijinks as a given first things first if you're not currently following us on whatever app you happen to be listening to us on go ahead and click that follow button or that uh, subscribe button whatever the case may be um, that helps us out a good bit and it makes sure that whenever we have a show come out you are one of the first to get it you get your alert and all that kind of good stuff secondly just as importantly if you're looking for us on facebook we are at the fantasy football fiend family facebook group on instagram fantasy football fiend and on twitter at fantasy underscore fiend so again for facebook that is fantasy football fiend family facebook group ig it's fantasy football fiend and twitter it's at fantasy underscore fiend we're gonna be on youtube and tiktok and a couple other spots here coming up soon we are looking at the start of the season to go video we got to kind of cross a few t's and dot a few i's as far as that's concerned but we are going to be bringing you more of what we do and thank you so much for all of you that have been with us from the start and thank you just as much to you guys that have just hopped on board tell your friends tell your family there is a new fantasy show out there that is giving out information that's just as good if not better and you know slightly more entertaining you know a little bit different Bring a little bit of a different vibe. As always, I got my bros with me, Young Vander, and I got my guy, little bro, bro Joe. Holla at the people, bro Joe. What's going on, Fantasy Fiend family? Yo, so we're going to go ahead and hop into things real quick. But first, I do want to give you guys an update. Last week, we, the Fantasy Football Fiend family, challenged. Well, I challenged and they backed me up. That's normally how this type of shit goes, by the way. (laughs) 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 I challenged the owner of Face Off Sports, Mr. Aaron Schill. He responded on Twitter and it's a go. So we will have this challenge underway. It will be redraft. So it'll be six of us versus six of them. Six fantasy fiends versus six face off guys. PPR league, super flex, two running backs, three wide receivers, a flex, no kicker or defense. A couple of bucks down, you know, we'll, we'll keep the exact numbers private, but, you know, a few pennies, not much. But I, I can't wait to do this. And in all honesty, I, I look forward to challenging the best of the best out there yearly. We're starting with face off. Next, it's whoever wants it. Line up. We can do this. I'm excited. I'm, I'm, I'm really excited. Normally, I take a little break after the draft before getting into, like, my boards and stuff like that. But when you said this, it's just like, oh, okay. I can uh, dust off my little boards and get back to it. <laughs> 
you know, I, I know we what content we bring and what we give to the community and our audience. And I just can't wait to put you know the pen to the paper, so to speak, and just kick some ass, man. Like I already know what all three of us gonna do. You know, I, I can't wait for us to fill the team out and what that looks like. And then I want the best record, regardless. I think it's still competitive just because it's six on six, but we we coming to kick every I want to kick everybody ass, but more importantly, I want to put you know all this to bat that we are the best as far as it regards to content and everything else that we put out. Absolutely, 100%. So let's go ahead and hop into your new. And now your fantasy news. So let's hop right into your news. We have a couple of announcements. 49ers head coach Mr. Shanahan states that Jimmy G is out of there. They didn't give a timeline, but based on what Shanahan is indicating, it looks as if the writing is on the wall. Now, that's been kind of out there since the beginning of the offseason, but after the shoulder surgery and after they didn't quite get the market that they thought they were going to get for him, And also after kind of a few grumblings that were out there, and I heard it both ways, you know, I've heard it that Trey Lance is tearing up camp. And then I've also heard that he doesn't look like he's quite ready. And and if Garoppolo is healthy, that he could possibly be the better option. So I don't know which way to lean right now as far as which one is true. But the fact that Shanahan just came out with this statement kind of lends itself towards the Trey Lance is dominating in camp because he's he's doubling down at this point and kind of reiterating the teams out there that didn't get what they wanted in the draft that Jimmy G is now available to you and we might take a little less than what we thought we were going to get for him prior. And, and to my point, I think I mentioned it the last show, the show before last, you would have to expect because he did not play a, a full year of football. Uh, I would like to say the past two seasons because Last the the year prior he sat out the year before he had a significant injury and sat the remainder of that season he's only had 19 starts in the collegiate level um, with as much talent and promise that he has uh, it's a big transition into the NFL but nonetheless just his demeanor and what he brings to the game as far as his attributes it cannot be understated that this kid just needed time and I think with as complex as Shanahan offense is not saying difficulty but again Shanahan installed so many plays on a given week for somebody who has not had to even play at a collegiate level only 19 games I don't think he was even ready to come in and be as successful but he did average when he had started 20 fantasy points already in the NFL you know few uh you know situations that we saw him in what I've seen and of course obviously it's limited to us unless we're going out there to OTAs and things of that nature but the clippings and things that you can find virally on YouTube, on uh, Twitter. This kid, this kid is is going to be a good piece. And if I think it's one person to build around him and to groom him the right way is Shanahan. What what coordinator, what offensive guy is going to put a target on their quarterback for the NFL to say, oh yeah, he's a, he's doing amazing. Oh my god, he's so great. <laughs> True. Like because we again in the small sample size, we've seen a totally different offense, and this kid is going to run with the ball. He's going to throw the ball and he can throw the ball deep <laughs> with, with those measurables alone uh he brings a lot of upside and with jimmy g they should have been trading him i think we someone on the show mentioned before even going to miami some some of the way that sorts jimmy garoppolo is a okay quarterback let's just let's be honest 
He's very smart. He's very NFL savvy. I think but, he is exactly what the Panthers could use. Yeah, exactly. What the what the Pat? What, like, what are we talking about here? Like, that's a perfect fit for what you can ask him to do in offense. You know, he's really great at what he does. He reminds me a lot of Alex Smith in that regard, where it's like, let's dink and dunk. Let's let's be methodical and you know really play on. You know, just how smart and intelligent he is as a quarterback, but it's just not a fit. And I think now is the time to move move on from him where you can kind of expound on that offense. You got too many young pieces. Build this nucleus up and try to compete next year in a division where it's only, to be honest, them and the Rams. I'll be honest. There are going to be some puzzling moves going forward by a few different teams because it's like what you're saying now is a lot different than what you were saying then. Because like say, for instance, with the Panthers, right? You had the opportunity to get Jimmy G. You had the opportunity to get Baker Mayfield. Sam Donald ain't it. He's never been it. And if you think he can, and if you think he could possibly be it, then you could probably win the Super Bowl with Baker Mayfield. If you think Sam Donald can get you anywhere close to where you want to go, you got to know that Baker Mayfield is three times the quarterback that Sam Donald is minimal. And and he's out there. It's it's almost like when the person that you would have dated dates someone else, and then they get booted, and now you're looking like, well, maybe, maybe you ain't all that I thought you might have been. I I, I might want to steer clear of you. When had they never went with the other person, you would have been first in line. Carolina would have given their right arm to be able to go up to where Cleveland went to get Baker the year that they got Baker. So now that he's available he, and he's had success, he's gotten the franchise a a playoff win against the stalwart of the division. That's not good enough to get you out of the gutter. I don't know. I don't I don't understand the logic of some of some Jimmy G only has a 70% game winning percentage as a quarterback. I'm sure that's nothing that you can use in Carolina, you know, to win some damn games. I don't get it. I just don't understand. Yeah, with USC as a program, I've learned, and I think everybody needs to keep this in mind. Anytime a quarterback come out from USC, you fade them. These kids are coming out (laughs) only playing 12 games, 15 games. Look at, like, the only person I can think of offhand that's been successful from USC is Carson Palmer. And I don't think we can can attribute it to being successful. That's a while back, boy. That's that's (laughs) a while back. Everybody on Sam Darnold played like 14, 15 games and came yeah, out. Matt Barkley was horrible. Matt Barkley was horrible. The guy but before Barkley was horrible. It's I don't trust him. And Caleb Williams, you want to go ahead and transfer over there. Unless you stay at that program two more years, you're not going to come out a first-round pick. We've seen Jamie Newman go from Wake Forest to Georgia and then went to the Eagles in the seventh round. So I hope Williams kind of can heed to that same notion. You're not going to just go somewhere one year and be the top person going to USC. That doesn't work that way in the NFL. We don't trust y'all. We have Robert Woods, who is now running route. He's catching passes and running routes in OTA. So he seems to be back from the ACL tear that he suffered just over six months ago. That's going to bode well for that team because they are in desperate need of pass catchers. If you're in a PPR league, Robert Woods is one of those guys that I would kind of put a little star by. Make sure that you maybe draft him around ahead of where ADP is telling you that you should because he's the only game in town. He's the only one with any NFL experience at the wide receiver position worth mentioning on the team. He will be heavily leaned upon by uh, Tannehill, maybe even more so than the Rick. We don't exactly know what we have there yet. So, if I'm an NFL quarterback and I'm in a in I believe he's in a contract year, if I'm not mistaken. 
or he was upset about contracts, which is why he was kind of giving the team his ass to kiss, which is why they went ahead and drafted a quarterback this year, coincidentally. But yeah, this is going to be one of those situations to where Robert Woods is really going to give you quite a bit of value there. But he seems to be back on the way without any hiccups in his step. Another guy recovering, you have Robert Tunyon with the uh, Green Bay Packers, who is now on his way back from the knee injury. Robert Tanyan is going to be another one of those guys who, if his health is right, he may be a fantasy asset just out of desperation and need because they don't have very many pass catchers in Green Bay, again, with any real world experience. And the ones mm-hmm. that they do have have never really shown up. I don't think it's going to be easier for Alan Lazard to now catch the ball that Adams is going. If you couldn't do it with that guy beside you, I don't really know how this is going to work out. And again, another rookie in Green Bay. We hope and pray for the best of these rookies, but you may have one or two, you know, studs that kind of break out, but normally that rookie season isn't much to speak of. I really don't know what Green Bay is going to do other than be very run heavy. I can see both Jones and Dylan getting a really healthy dose. Yeah, I definitely see uh, Jones getting at least 50 catches. That's that's minimum. That's the that's the floor. Yeah, he, he might play a little bit of slot receiver too. <laughs> right. I mean, think about it because if I can put Dylan in the backfield, if he lines up as a receiver, could he possibly be your best receiver out there on any given play? Mm. He really possibly could. Think about it. I trust him to catch the ball over Alan Lazard, and right now Alan Lazard is the one or the two, depending on how the rookie works out. Yeah, with Robert Tunyon, I'm, I'm, it's a, it's one of those great perspective wait and sees, and it's one of those things. If you know, right now is the time where you need to be making a list, and I always try to make a list of players in my mind who are injured, coming back from injury, because mm-hmm. they're going to lose diminishing value relative to redraft, and we need to be able to capitalize because our strategies can be entirely different. We can fade tight end with the whole of Robert Tunyon coming back from injury because yep. before that, we already know what the volume was. And like you said, no competition at all. Mercedes Lewis is not competition. Josiah nah. DeGora is not competition. Nope. He has immense amount of value and he has the rapport. And like you've spoken to uh, several times, Vander, I mean, Vander was A. I miss Vander already. Um, <laughs> having, you know, Aaron Rodgers is very particular who he trusts. And when you have, when he has trust in somebody, that's it. Tyena has great upside. And just to double back on Woods, it is aspiring to hear that Woods wants to do more. He's saying, hey, man, I'm ready to go. They hold me back. But that's procedural. We know what that right. needs to be. Even expect him to miss possibly one or two games. It is still likely. Even maybe up to four games. Do not let that discourage you, audience. Uh, again, you just got to kind of follow the progressions as to what he's doing because we've seen a Traylon Burke have to come off the field and can't even participate in organized team activities because he's not in shape. Football shape and what you're doing in rehab is two different levels. And it's too it's too demanding on, a, on any's extremities and limbs, especially at ACL. So they're going to be extremely delicate with Woods, but be encouraged that he feels that he's closer to himself. You know, we might have to go one up to get him, but definitely hammer him in too with Woods. We have Janu Smith, who is apparently the star of the OTAs right now for the Patriots. Janu Smith had a, a bit of a choppy season last year. He was less than desired. For sure. I thought upon first signing, I thought he might actually end up being the tight end one over uh, Hunter Henry. Right, but right. I'm not exactly sure what happened there. Other than, I mean, it, it, he was injured at one point, but like, even when he wasn't injured, it just wasn't clicking. And 
that that really surprised me. I, I thought John U. Smith was the, the the prize, if you will, but that's just another bad move on our part as far as the Patriots are concerned. But right now, he is soaking up all the reps he can get to build said rapport with Mac Jones and to make sure that he understands the nuances or changes in the system that we're going to be running. And hopefully if things go right, that's another pass catcher out there. And we're starting to kind of step up to the plate with the big boys, with some of our pass catchers out there. They might not be big names, but big talent. Parker's not hurt and you give him the ball. He's a stud. Bourne showed you what he can do last year. Jacoby Myers showed you what he can do. Hunter Henry shows you what he can do. Matt Jones, another season in. Harris shows you what he can do. I mean, like th- this offense, you never know from week to week who's going to be featured. So for fantasy, it's kind of frustrating. But if you really start to look at the pieces, if they can call a decent game and make it all kind of blend together, it's a chameleon offense. We can go wherever you have your defensive deficiency. And Janu Smith may be a big part of those mismatches. It's so discouraging because Hunter Henry, when healthy, is a phenomenal talent. And John was for the longest time, we were just thinking, like, for me personally, the Lady Walker 2.0 coming right, from Tennessee. Exactly. Yep. So it's just like to be, it's understated, like you said, that injury kind of holds them back last season. Again, going back to a team that installed so many con- concepts and has a big playbook, the Patriots playbook is not for the weak-minded or people who miss an extended amount of time. You guys, Facts. you know, even cut wide receivers like Reggie Wayne, Chad Johnson, right. is very taxing on somebody because you learn all the positions, all the routes, you know, it's, it's, it's much broader there than any others, you know, many other situations. But it's encouraging. I always got to lean towards Hunter Henry. Hopefully, barring injury, John could definitely be someone that we could watch. But it's almost going to remind me of Grog and Bray almost. So do I want that trouble? I don't think so. Then that's in fantasy, it would be kind of frustrating. In real world NFL, Mm -hmm. you have mismatches all over the field, and Mac Jones has to just get the ball to the guy that happens to be open on any given play. And and, and we have a hell of a defense. I mean, the more I'm thinking about it, the more I'm kind of not quite as upset with where we may be. We we got a couple of things that we got cooking, but I still want a real GM and and a freaking offensive coordinator. Uh, But anyway, I digress. (laughs) Curtis Samuel is taking part in OTA. So the groin injury that kept him out pretty much damn near all of last year has subsided and he is excited to get out there and fly around. So um, it's been kind of toxy-turvy for him. He was one of those guys that's kind of a utility knife, if you will. He can do a little bit of it all, even has a few carries out of the backfield. So good to see him up and running. And, you know, this just gives that team, the commanders, a little bit more flavor, if you will. Gives them a little bit more variety out there, a little bit more to kind of make you look at before you have to make a decision on, on defense. And, you know, that half a second can make all the difference in the world. We'll get into him and his squad uh, in just a few moments when we dissect the NFC East and we will have Vander in that segment as well. Moving on to the last couple of parts of the news here, Daryl Williams, formerly of Kansas City, is now a Cardinal. He's also coincidentally a member of my dynasty team because he was on waivers. So <laughs> the so they agreed to a deal with the Chiefs running back, Daryl Williams. And, you know, here's the thing, man. He delivered double-digit PPR point nine times from week four on last year when he was heavily included in the offensive game. I mean, he had four outings where he 
had close to 16 points. So for those games, again, he was at a, a wide receiver one level. Here's what I'm seeing with Arizona. I'm seeing him being kind of the more durable version of a Chase Edmonds. I think that they're going to utilize him heavily. I think this kind of dwarfs Eno Benjamin. I also think that it could almost be a 50-50 between him and Counter, just because you want to keep Counter fresh. I think Counter is slightly more talented, but he's also more brittle. So Daryl Williams is going to be one of my top cuffs. In some cases, I can't. I, I may not be able to get my cuff, but I can get somebody else's because I'm hoping my starter don't go down anyway, and I'm hoping yours will. So he's going to be one of my top cuffs that I um that I look for because I think you're going to be able to get weekly production out of this guy, even if Connor doesn't go down. I think this doesn't change, you know, a bit because when you look at it, he he essentially is Connor's, but I can catch a lot more out of the backfield, and I'm a solid blocker. Eno is currently the fastest running back on the running back depth chart by far. So I think when I say Eno is going to stay the same, I think this is more so an assurance piece. But God damn, this is a good assurance piece. Like you said, he's highly productive. And I just think he just adds some more depth to the backfield. I would still keep Eno because I think Eno still has that chase role as far as being the speedster and the pass catcher out of the back, the scat back in that offense. But Darrell Williams is a good piece to kind of fill into that if you want to have somebody directly correlated to what Connor is going to be asked to do in the field. He'll be the RB2 there, if not the RB1. Watch what I say. Connor, you know, he, he had a, a tremendous season last year. Tremendous. But as soon as he got the load, because Chase got hurt, he ends up getting hurt. So right. it could possibly be a full-on committee just to try to keep everybody fresh. I agree. I definitely can see that. And then they, they need more pass catchers anyway with D-Hop being out for the first six weeks. So it'll be interesting to see how they utilize those guys. Higgins of Cincinnati on track for uh, training camp. You know, he had the shoulder injury that um, had to get taken care of, but he should be ready to go. So you Higgins dynasty owners, no worries there. We're going to get into the Antonio Gibson running backfield and a little bit later in the show. But as far as news is concerned, ESPN's John Kim writes that there's going to be a kind of of a touch count, if you will, and that the usage could vary weekly. And this is according to uh, his coach, Riverboat Rhyme. So it sounds to me like there's going to be a full committee in Washington and it'll be a kind of a hot hand approach. He even mentioned the Stewart and Williams scenario. And, and that's kind of what that was. You really didn't know week to week who was going to get what amount of carries, but because of the system, either one of them can go off any given week or either one of them could do absolutely nothing any given week or not be given the opportunity to do so. I think that's a, a good uh, take on it because we know what running backs they have currently on their depth chart, but to kind of mirror something that he's been successful in doing, I think it helped revitalize the offense and kind of give it some life. I think they were really predict- like predictable, especially towards the second half of the season last year. But they became easy to beat, too easy to beat, in fact. But I think kind of going to something like that schematically is going to improve, especially with having the third piece, McKissick, who wasn't there right. uh, when they were highly productive with D'Angelo and Stewart. So I, I like that move. The Colts added another running back to their depth chart. Former running back with the Baltimore Ravens, Tyson Williams. He is now a coach. They picked up both Tyson Williams as well as Philip Lindsay. So they're kind of filling in a few roster spots here. I can kind of see the, the 
the need for depth at that position for sure. But eh, nothing, nothing to write home about. Uh-huh. We have Rashard Penny, who is sitting on the sideline due to a slight hamstring issue. Penny doing Penny thing. This is why Walker is my running back in my dynasty league, because Penny Penny stayed healthy one year out of his first, what is it? Is this his fifth year? He's um, going to yep. this will be, we so, as his fifth year. So this year coming is his fifth year. So let's say one year out of his four years, he's been healthy thus far. And now he's not healthy again with the same type of injury. You know, it is what it is there. But I believe Kenny Walker is going to have a chance to outshine Brees Hall just because of his situation. And Pete Carroll loves to run the ball. He does not have a good quarterback right now. There's no reason for him not to run the ball. So that's going to be very interesting to see what happens. Yeah, with this running back room, I'm honestly taking Penny and Chris Carson all the way in the training camp. I'm putting a boot on Rashad the next two months. That's it. Because, you know, we can't afford, like you said. What oh, we're Carson's gonna... still hurt too now. Don't forget that. Yeah, with the neck. Mm-hmm. Well, Rashad, I'm putting him in a boot and I'm like, training camp. We not, you're not running. You're not, you can't even pick up your own food. You need to be in one of those little carts getting you to point A to point B because he's going to be asked to really, like you said, 1A, 1B. Um, but you do not want to give Kenneth Walker this leg up in his offense. This kid is very um, football intelligent. He has a high football IQ, and you do not want him to pick up this offense. Because, again, uh, like I said in prior shows, they did not play under uh, Waldron's offense. This is them installing a brand-new offense uh, completely of his own uh, fruition. And you don't want to have this opportunity to have somebody to come in there as knowledgeable as you as the veteran. Because Kenneth does bring that home run capability. That's a valuable to our offense. Rashad can do it too, but not to the clip that near as much that Kenneth can do. Per beat writer Joseph Pearson, the Carolina coaching staff has kicked around the idea of giving Christian McCaffrey more snaps than the slot. They've also Ooh. indicated that he won't be participating in any of offseason or preseason. Um, to preserve his energy and strength after coming off of two injury-riddled seasons. So they're trying to lessen his load as much as possible and basically get a ball to him when it counts and only when it counts. I like that move too. And like you said, it just speaks value because he was almost a trade college he going to Buffalo if for whatever reason things didn't work out. And to your point too, not just as far as the offseason or even preseason, Deontay Freeman definitely balled the hell out last year in the AFC game, but not even just that. Um, you can tell um, had he not sustained, I think it was an ACL injury when he was uh, with Houston. It was some significant injury that he missed. It took him a few years to bounce back from, and they gave him a second opportunity. But the sky was the limit for him, and that's what they needed. To me, Mike Davis was just a big person who was not in football shape. He did not have any explosiveness, who could not do things as a running back other than catch out of the backfield. And that's you already have somebody who can do that. McCaffrey is a wide receiver. Now you're going to give him Deontay, which this guy can leverage all of those skill sets. He's explosive as well. He's a bigger back. I like this for McCaffrey. People should not look at this like he's frail. This guy is a behemoth, a, a gym rat. This guy lives, you know, football. McCaffrey is going to be ready. But I, again, I don't think for his future, he should be anywhere near 400 touches ever again. No. They need to keep him at 300, if that. Well, you got to keep him because see how he catches out the backfield. 320, 330, but not 400 in the 400s ever again. And I think that's why they're going to try to use him in the slot because they want him to be on the field as much as possible. But they yeah. understand that being in that running back position that much, 
much, you're going to get hurt. There's no way around it. Exactly. Unless he's just an aberration of NFL history in general. There's just there's no way around it. Speaking of running back injury and uh, recovery, Travis Etienne, according to his coach, Doug Peterson, is a full goal for OTA. And, um, you know, he was coming off that Liz Frank injury that cost him his whole rookie season. He has an entirely different team and coach and everything to come into after missing his rookie season. If anyone missing a rookie season could have made them fall forward, it's Travis Etienne because he didn't have to go out there and deal with that whole debacle of an Urban Meyer situation. So, I mean, it, it, he he lucked up. Um, he gets a mulligan and he actually has a coach that knows what the hell he's doing now. I don't know for sure that ETN is going to be the go-to guy. Um, for my money, when Robinson is healthy, Robinson is your number one. ETN is a maybe change of pace guy, a two-minute drill guy, maybe a um, you know third down back, however you want to do it. But Robinson has literally been tops in the league. Like I don't give a damn who was drafted. This guy, undrafted free agent, but he, he's, he's literally a top back in the league per the number. Yeah. I, honestly, I see their backfield being a 50-50 split. I think they're going to lean heavier to James Robinson. You know I love James Robinson. I was huge on James Robinson. But I, I don't want to put any false hope into the community. But Travis Etienne, when healthy, we've seen at a collegiate level, is highly productive. I like what fantasy, what player profiler has his comparison to. DeAndre Swift sounds like a really honest comparison. And if you just look at his tangibles, what he was actually doing clips and catching out of the back for a running inside, running outside, he's just a really natural runner with the football in his hands. And obviously, they even value his receiving ability so much. They haven't, they had him in a receiver room uh, for a period of time in Jacksonville. Like you said, he, he dodged a bullet. It's almost like a final destination when somebody. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> When they supposed to be dead and they just got skipped over. I see that for ETN. I, again, like I agree with you. Like nothing can take away James Robinson is the guy, but this is gonna be a scary fucking backfill. And I think if people are excited about the Packers backfill with Dylan and uh Aaron Jones, this guy is gonna have an Aaron Jones kind of responsibility because what he does have similar to Aaron Jones. You can motion sense. him out, you can have both of them on the field at the same time. That makes a whole lot of sense. And lastly, here. Your guy out of Georgia, Mr. Pickens, um, now with the Pittsburgh Steelers, his OC, Matt Canada, said this guy gets down the field. Uh, he's already showing up and showing out. I know you made mention of this guy several times. You couldn't name whose position he was going to take over, but you just knew he was going to get on the field. And that kind of sounds like what Matt Canada is uh, indicating, that he might just be an integral part of this offense off top. What I would say about Pickens is this guy, bar injury, because had he not got injured, I think he would have been in the conversation of the top five, definitely. He's been someone who's hasn't been plagued with injury, but if you look at the approach of our offense, he wasn't asked to do much in the limited time in Georgia. But again, within looking at him myself and obviously being a Georgia fan, he reminds you of what A.J. Green was as a younger version of self coming in as a rookie, second or third year player. He is someone who's high, who's highly uh, favored, spectacular grinch, contested catch, very nuanced. And he is physical. He likes to block. He likes to bully you. He likes to belittle people. And he's... <laughs> He got all the chops to go to Pittsburgh. I was a Claypool. Like I think I don't. Hopefully, I think I don't know if I said it only in our sleeper uh, uh, dynasty chat. But Claypool needs to wake up because this like Pickens to me is the writing on the wall. Like. Mm -hmm. 
because Claypool has all the talent, but we don't see it on the field. We see lap, you know, lapses of concentration, not even taking advantage. You're 6'5", 200-something, 20 pounds, 220 pounds plus, and you're having difficulty getting separations, and you're the fastest guy on the field. And you have James Washington beating you. Pickens is way better than James Washington. You He needs to pray because now he's going from a collegiate medical staff to a, a professional NFL-level staff. The more he's able to he's, – he's healthy, but the more he's able to kind of garner his body to the NFL mold by the by next season he might be the he might push Deontay and I, and I know it's a little outlandish but it's within the scope of possibilities he could push Deontay because he got the tools already he, he came he came out the womb a man already and that about wraps up your news let's go ahead and get into that NFC East breakdown All right, good people, let's hop right into the main part of the show today, the NFC East Breakdown. We got your Cowboys, we got your Eagles, we got your Giants, and the Commanders. All in the NFC East Division, we are going to start out with Dallas. So, as customary, we'll go through the depth charts, and then we'll kind of break down what we see happening fantasy-wise within each individual team, and how they're going to kind of stack up within the division. So with Dallas, we have at wide receiver one, C.D. Lamb. Their number two guy is going to be Michael Gallup. And then they have James Washington, who's currently in a walking boot. Not exactly sure how significant the injury is, but he is the slot guy. You have Ezekiel Elliott, obviously, at running back. Um, Tony Pollard. They also have uh, Rico Dottle. Not familiar with him, but he's apparently the third string guy. Then obviously we have Deck Prescott at quarterback. The sneaky guy this year is at tight end, Dalton Schultz, who I think, based on the current wide receiver set, is probably going to be looked at heavily in the red zone. Also, he's going to be dependent upon on those Gronk routes, those seam routes, those 20-yard bombs down the field, because he's probably going to have the easiest matchups combined with the amount of talent that he currently has. Joe, what you got on the Dallas Cowboys? I'm not really a fan of Dallas this year. Um, you still got to take Dak with a grain of salt, of course. Dalton Schultz is my one of my more favorite tight ends. I think he'll be heavily utilizing this offense. Zeke, I I just can't trust him. Um, but he's somebody if he falls to you relative to value. I would like to keep him and at some point early on in the season use him as trade bait because I don't trust that he can last a full season. Um wide receiver wise, I'm at first I wasn't I'm st- uh, I'm still on the fence with with CD. He has top I'm gonna say top fifteen talent to be safe. He has all the talent in the world. I just we just never seen him do it. And I think in a you know when he had the opportunity to be the guy, we said it a few times on the show. It was very underwhelming his performance. But he's one of those people in camp. He's gonna dominate. He's gonna look real good. He's gonna look you know as he's looking right now in the off season. But I just want to see it trans, you know, translate onto the field. Gallup, eh. James Washington, eh. It's just, I mean, I think the main reason why CD and Gallup was able to be productive was because of Cooper. I'm not trying to say they're not good receivers, but it's easy when somebody draws the the coverage and the best wide receiver, and yep. somebody who's a go to in the red zone and for you know down you know downs of third and long, et cetera. It's easy for people to be um, open in this offense. 
So I, you, I still would take a look at CD to give somebody uh, the rookie uh, going back to Jalen Tober, who's been on, you know, mentioned in the show a few times. Uh, with Jalen Washington being in that situation with the boot, um, he needs every bit of rep to kind of fight out this kid, Jalen Tober. He's a dynasty stash relative to dynasty because he's going to obviously move in to the wide receiver three. So that's what I got for the Cowboys. Now, Jalen Tober, they have on the depth chart as Michael Gallup's backup as a, mm-hmm. as basically an outside receiver. So that'll be interesting to see whether or not um, he is capable of uh, playing the slot. Normally the slot is the easier of the two positions. So I would imagine that if he can play the outside, he theoretically should be able to play the inside, but it doesn't always translate that way. Uh, one oh. thing that you said that I do want to kind of throw out a little tidbit on to our listeners. I believe that Michael Gallup, for the same reason that you indicated that C.D. Lamb was such a value uh, prior to, that's the reason why Michael Gallup is going to be a value this year. Other than the fact that C.D. Lamb, you actually had to draft higher than what you would have to draft Michael Gallup this year. And Mm -hmm. C.D. Lamb is going to do for Gallup what Cooper did for C.D. And if we remember, Gallup was normally the the go get it guy anyway. He he was that you know, bomb down the you know sideline touchdown type of guy. Um, when Cooper was out, and CD still handled a lot of the dirty work. So I believe that Michael Gallup and Dalton Schultz are going to have quite a bit of value. What you got on the, on uh, Dallas, Bender? <laughs> For one, I don't think Dalton Schultz is really going to be a surprise. Um, I think a lot of people see him coming, especially with them losing Amari Cooper. I feel the same way about C.D. Lamb. I don't think when given the opportunity to be the number one, he showcased that he could do it. He has all the talent in the world again. But I I think this may be one of those Juju Smith-Schuster cases where you look great at number two. Mm, But once you're put in the driver's seat, things look a little different. And there's no knock on him talent-wise. It's just some guys are just made to be a, a hell of a number two. You know what I'm saying? Now, I know a lot of people are down on Ezekiel Elliott, but I'm, I'm okay with him, especially <laughs> with his, his his ADP where he's being drafted at. I right. mean, this guy's being drafted like I've seen down to the 20th running back. Like He can be your number two running back. You're you know what I mean? It's crazy. Right. And last year, this guy finished number six overall. A lot of people don't know that. He's the sixth best running back in fantasy. And the guy's only 26. I know yeah. it seemed like Zeke been in the league for 15 years. It does. I feel you. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It seemed like he'd been around for a minute. But he's only 26 years old. I know he's fighting the injuries coming off, you know, for the last couple of years. He's been nagging, this, that. And it seems like the Cowboy offense has kind of moved towards the pass-heavy uh, style. But I still like him. Um, I think our listeners should go out and get Zeke if you can because, like I said, he's the 20th best running back. I'm going to take my chances on that. Not only that, but take into account what you just said. When they had the high flyers at wide receiver, they went away from the running game a little bit because Zeke was hurt. Now Zeke is healthy and they just lost their best wide receiver. So logic would dictate that they would go back at least a little bit more to the run than what they had previously. So that can make Ezekiel Elliott one of these guys that if in his down year and hurt year, he was running back six. If he's completely healthy and they have to lean on the run, and they attempted to kind of patchwork some of those uh, offensive line positions where they they, they had guys uh, that left, this this could be vintage Zeke this year. So, you know, and he don't, played don't 17, He played 17 games last year. Yeah. So he made it through the season. He did, he did show up in shape last year, if y'all remember. He did lose some of that baby fat he was carrying around for <laughs> right. a minute. You know what I mean? So he did show up in shape, and I, and I look for him to come in 
and even better shape this year because it seems like he's a little bit more serious about his nutrition and things of that nature. But I mean, to finish number six, nobody probably would think that looking at how we look, how we view Ezekiel Elliott. So I, agree. I definitely think uh, we should take a, a chance on him. And real quick, as far as Dak, mm-hmm. uh, man, I just, he, I don't want to use the word, but he's a tad bit overrated. It's a tad. NFL-wise or fantasy-wise? Uh, not really fantasy-wise because he's, you know, he finished high. But I think NFL-wise, he's a little bit tad overrated. But fantasy wise, he's gonna give you the production. So the wins and losses tell you that what you're saying ain't a lie. Right. So, so, I mean. so again, in fantasy, you definitely take Dak. But he was but you know, Amari Cooper been a security blanket for him the last couple of years. So yeah. I, I'm I'm curious to see how he how he uses uh now Gallup and uh and Washington moving forward. And I think he's actually more comfortable throwing the deep ball to Gallup than he is the C D. He's comfortable getting CD within five to 10 yards, and then CD does his thing with the yak yards. But if, if he's throwing downfield, I think Schultz and Gallup are the two guys. Next up, we have the Giants. With the Giants, we have number one wide receiver, Kenny Galladay. Backing him up is Darius Slayton. The number two outside wide receiver on the depth chart is Kadarius Tony. Backing him up is Richie James. And then we have Sterling Shepard in the slot. As far as tight end is concerned, we have a couple of journeymen with Rookie Seals Jones and Jordan Akins. At running back, we have Saquon Barkley, Matt Breida, and they also brought in Antonio Williams, who was with Dabble in Buffalo, if I'm not mistaken. Um, at quarterback, you have Daniel Jones, and then you have Tyrod Taylor backing him up. What you got on them, Van? Now, this is a really tricky one here. I, I do want to see these June 1st cuts. Because looking at these wide Back. receivers, yeah. I don't know who's going to be there. You True. know what I'm saying? Like, Kadarius had his situation. Uh, Shepard, there were some little rumblings with him. We all know Slayton. We thought Slayton was going to be on the move during the draft. That didn't happen. So with this team, man, it's real sketchy, real – it's, it's a wait and see when it comes to these pass catchers. I do like – I don't want to go down the Saquon thing again, but at his ADP – you got to take an opportunity on. You got to take a chance. He's also being drafted down there in the twenty, late late teens, early twenty, like nineteen, eighteens running back. And talent wise, he's not that. So him and Zeke, and on a lot of rankings, are like side by side. I definitely think you give him an opportunity if you can get him in that third, maybe fourth round. Of course, if he don't do it this year, then that's it. You know what I'm saying? This is it really is a contract year, I believe. I'm not, yeah, I'm this not is. Mistaken. You should look at him like you look at Tua. You yeah, know, this is yep. this is a really boom bust thing for him. If he don't go out there and, and do what he's supposed to do, Might then be he's done. gonna be he's gonna be lost. Yeah. I do like Daniel Jones sneaky play. I, I think Dabble gonna get the best out of him. This guy is sneaky athletic. Yeah, he really is. He, he's a poor man's Josh I Allen. He's sneaky, honestly. He, <laughs> but it, it, I say sneaky because when you watch uh Giants games, defenses don't even pay him attention at True. all. True. Like they treat him like Peyton Manning. And next thing you know, he done picked up 15 yards. Right. <laughs> but the, 15, but the biggest 40. difference, the biggest you know difference between him and Allen is Allen can actually hold on to the ball after he runs it. That's yeah. the biggest difference. He, he, he's, he's like the poor man's uh, Josh Allen, you know, when it comes to like, when I say like when you watch these games, like, I mean, like you would think Eli's at quarterback or Tom Brady at quarterback because <laughs> there's no spy. There's no, I mean, it's just like, who is, they just leave him. They do what he, he does what he wants. Like if he does a a rollout, or you know, he's out, he's by himself. That like he's out there clean by himself. So I think he's gonna get a lot more rushing touchdowns this year. I can see that for him. Maybe not so much 
Well, you know what? It may be a little design runs for him. I may see a little bit more design. Yeah, let me see a little more. Because remember, this is the guy that came up with the game plan for Allen. So, I mean. So, of course, I don't say go out there and draft him early. But, you know, to a quarterback league, he may be somebody that you can get some good good weeks out of. Because we've seen him have some some really good weeks in the NFL. And I think Dabble will probably try to get the best out of it. I mean, this guy's had some 30. Last year, he had some 30 games. You know what I mean? Some games where he scored 30. It's there. I just think. He now he has the person that can really like bring out of him. So, and you just said something that that kind of made me think of a, a little bit of a different strategy for particularly this year. A lot of the guys that can not only hold it in the road but possibly be top ten running backs, you can get quite a bit later than you've been able to get them in years oh, past. So, is this sure. the year where you you know you go? Now I know the way we normally draft, we go wide receiver heavy anyway. In, right. in wide receiver early, but right. for the listeners out there, this legit may be the draft where, or the year where you can go wide receiver heavy and get those consistent big name, big point getters, and still get a dog at running back. And, and well, we always draft quarterback. Though. Well, let me let me break it down real quick for you. For the guys that's drafting their league and you're drafting early, then yeah, you probably don't want to grab a wide receiver. You want to go ahead and grab that stud running back if you can. If you're drafting late in your draft, then that's when you can, like Zay just uh, spoke on, you can grab the stuff, you can grab the chase, maybe come back and grab the Jefferson. I mean, these guys, you can probably get back to back. Right. And then when they come back around again, the way these guys, <laughs> then you will see the Saquon Barkley's and maybe the Ezekiel Elliott's of the world. Yeah. So that's a hell of a, a start for your first four picks, if you ask me. You know what I mean? So like I Zay agree. said, some of these guys that can finish in top five, top six, seven guys, you may can get later in that third, fourth round, like a Saquon or like a Ezekiel Elliott. So that's what he's speaking on. For example, you can get those two stud wide receivers early and then come back and still get two running backs that are studs, just been having some, you know, things here and there, but can possibly give you that that uh, top finish. And then their handcuffs are also going to be cheap. So worst case scenario that, you know, that injury possibility, you can kind of negate a little bit with making sure that you get their cuffs. But what you got on the Giants, Joe? I like a few things with them. And I, honestly, it's going to be one. Like, now I can spend the block with uh, Saquon Barkley this offseason and going to next year feeling more, even more confident that he'll have a bounce-back season. Other than that, I, I agree with uh, Daniel Jones. He is somebody who's going to be more improved. Yeah, I know I'm one of the people that look at, like, who's the offensive coordinator's QB coach. Right. And uh, Mike Kafka is definitely one I'm intrigued by. Even uh, Shea Turdy. The QB coach, I love their background. Obviously, Kafka spent time most recently as a QB coach in an offensive quality control with uh, Kansas City. You said um, Kafka? Is, is that the guy that used to be the yeah, quarterback? Yeah, with the Eagles. Yeah, he was okay. a quarterback in like okay. 2016. Yeah, okay. So yeah. he, he done put the clipboard up, and he's done well under Andy Reid. And then Shea Turney, he's been with Dabble for a long time. So he's worked with a lot of great quarterbacks. Obviously, the Jones, the Tuas, the Hurts. So just like the marriage between all three, like I'm one of those big preponderance if the OC, the quarterback, I mean the quarterback coach and the head coach are all aligned and they they can, they work on the same thing. We can see what the focus is and we can tell the emphasis is to work on Dave Jones. So I think that's well, like I said, in strategy, you know what I mean? You can just take him in later rounds and kind of build your team as best available. I already touched on Saquon. I think this is, this is the spin the block. I'm spinning the block with him with confidence. Ain't going to be no laughing at me like last year. 
I, I can hold my head high and talk shit with this one. Um, wide receivers wise, uh, Kenny Galladay is going to be the biggest flyer in redraft uh, this year. You can only think with as much money as they gave him that they're going to try to get this man the ball. Wait, 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 wait. They didn't give him that money. That GM nor head coach gave him that money. In my opinion, Kenny Galladay may be one heading to be cut. If you see where he's being drafted right now, if you look at the fact that he's a one-trick pony, if they're going to have the go-get-it guy, mm-hmm. I would trade Kenny Galladay and let Kadarius Tony be that guy because so, Galladay's hurt all the time, and he can only do one thing as a receiver. I agree, but that one thing that he does, he does to a very high level in the NFL. And to his, to not to his fault, the offense early on, because they did kind of redact it a little bit and kind of dumbed it down, he was open a lot. But Daniel Jones, for whatever reason, just was not looking this man away. It got to the point he got frustrated on one of the games on NFL television and was really frustrated and frustrated. I don't think he's any way near someone in high consideration. But considering that he should be, an emphasis on the word should be, uh, one of their key targets, uh, I, somebody I can take a late-round flyer on if I go heavy with the running backs, you know, that kind of thing where after I got two, three, four wide receivers, I might go to tight end, I might come back, and at his value, maybe the 12th, 13th round, if that's what I would value, I would then take him. And then, you know, I got to put out one rookie. I do like Wanda Robinson. To me, it's just like when you get you trade Antonio Brown, I mean, A.J. Brown, and then you go and get Burks. Wanda Robinson does exactly what Tooney does, but he just got another gear to him. And that's scary considering Tooney um, is an amazing talent with himself. Yeah, he's, um, he's pretty good. They right yeah, now well, have Robinson as the backup to Sterling Shepard in the slot, which – as Vander alluded to, there were some grumblings about Sterling Shepard possibly being shopped. So it's a good possibility that Robinson may actually end up starting by the time year comes around. Yeah, he's a he's a good dynasty pickup uh, relative to year round uh, because we don't see their upside to usually the second half of the season. I won't even look at him and and uh, like redraft, but he's definitely going to be a coveted piece. We have the Philadelphia Eagles, who, by the way, are my pick in this division to win it. They have put together a pretty formidable team at the wide receiver one position. We obviously have A.J. Brown. We have Devonta Smith as the number two receiver. Backing up Smith, we have Zach Pascal, formerly of Indianapolis. And then they have the guy who they picked in the first round, was it year before last, Jalen Rager. So he's now there, the fourth receiver on the depth chart. So they are deep at receiver, which was a position of need for them prior to. As far as running back is concerned, Miles Sanders is leading the way with Kenneth Gainwell being his backup and Boston Scott backing him up. At quarterback, we have Jalen Hurts and Gardner Minshew. Tight end, Dallas Goddard. And behind Dallas Goddard, we have Jack Stoll, who I'm not exactly familiar with. Um, One thing that stands out in this particular lineup is Dallas Goddard, for the first time, may not have anybody behind him to take away any targets as far as the tight end position is concerned. As far as wide receiver is concerned, or pass catchers in general, I think that Jalen Hurts is in a similar situation to Tua Tonga Baloa. If you can't do it with these guys, then you just can't get it done, and then we're going to go ahead and move on, and you can either 
go ahead and try out for the XFL. I'm pretty sure you'll have a great career there, or you can just be a yearly backup. But for my taste and my money, I believe that Jalen Hurts is going to be one of the best uh, breakouts slash values at the quarterback position. Uh, this guy has already been a top 10 quarterback in fantasy with much lesser weapons. So the fact that Miles Sanders should at least start the year off healthy. Big deal. Kenneth Gainwell, both both of them catch the ball out of the backfield. You have a stud at tight end. You have a stud number one wide receiver. And you have a guy, in my opinion, that is en route to becoming a stud. And life should actually be quite a bit easier for him now in Devonta Smith. Because last year, he had to go up against number one cornerbacks. This year, he won't be at all on any play. So... Um, and, oh, and, and pardon me for leaving out Quez Watkins, who is actually one of the best downfield guys you're going to find. He, I, I, I kind of put him in that same group as Kenny Galladay, except he's not just a one-trick pony. He can get down that field, though, in a matter of seconds and get that long ball. Evander, what you got on these guys? Not even fantasy. I, I, I like what they've done in the offseason altogether, even some of the moves they've made on the defense. So this team should definitely have this division in a chokehold. But with the defenses, with the defense improving, I do see more opportunities, more shorter fields, and things like that for Jalen Hurts. A lot of times last year, the Eagles got caught up in long drives. You know what I mean? So I think as far as fantasy-wise, should be a lot easier. And like you said, I'm looking for Jalen to be better this year because he, I think he'll play with a shorter field. It's different when you're trying to, you know, drive the ball 80 yards versus 35 right. yards. You <laughs> right. know what I mean? So I do think he'd be good this year. Dallas got it, like you said before, man. Tight end one. He's in that he's in that, that that arena, being that he's not sharing with anyone. It's just him now. He may even see a little bit easier, have a little easier way now that the acquisition of A.J. Brown. Yep, exactly. Um, so that safety got to pay attention to him now. You can't help with Dallas Garland anymore. It's just right. him against the linebacker. So him meant Devontae both should benefit. So I do like all of the skill positions on this, on this team. I'm just still interested to see, as far as these running backs, what way they go. I mean, I've seen games where they didn't run the ball at all. And True. then I've seen some games where they let Mike Sanders carry the Miles Sanders carry the ball and he looked good. So it's like, like, what are we doing? You know what I mean? So the identity, I want to see what the identity of this team is. Are they gonna get caught up in the whole running the ball? I mean, um, passing the ball a whole lot and then letting Jalen Hurts run, or are they gonna actually turn around and hand the ball off to Miles Sanders? So I'd beware as of right now as far as their running backs go. Of course, I like um AJ Brown, Devonta, and um, and Goddard on this offense. With where Miles Sanders is currently going, you don't even have to beware because you're not putting very much stock in them to get them right now. It may be one of those years where everything that Joe said was was right. He was just a year too early. Right. <laughs> so, it's not about talent with Sanders. It's not. It's, you're right. right. With Sariani, and that's what I'm kind of like, I'm optimistic, actually. You, like you said, the, you got rid of Earth. You don't got nobody behind Goddard. Will you exp- you know, expand this offense to meet, to match the talent? Because they do that on paper, uh, Jalen Hurts and, and company is in a great in a great uh, situation. Um, Sanders, to me, like I said, like it's it's not even him, but I, it's by beware with him, and I feel like I rather be on the the side where I take him at fair value, where he's valued as far as ADP and everything else, as opposed to reaching on him. We know his ceiling, but we don't know what Sirianni is going to do as far as the running back. Like I said, they've used. At least, you know, Jason Huntley, Boston Scott, and Kenneth Gainwell. 
in abundance. Goddard, I like Goddard. I think we know that they have a rapport, but I want to see what it looks like. No Ertz altogether, because it was, it's a different beast with Ertz out there, similar to a number one receiver and then a the second receiver, where Goddard, as talented as he is, he really been, he was a benefactor of what Ertz you know, drew as far as some coverages and different looks. Um, so I want to see him do it by himself, but obviously he's a top 10 uh, tight end regardless. Uh, A.J. Brown, I think A.J. Brown is A.J. Brown, period. So I think he's just that guy. And I don't I don't think he's any lesser value than he was before. I would take him in the same if he was with Tennessee. But that's when I look at these other receivers and I'm in question. Uh, Devontae, I love him. Uh, I think good things about him. He's a great receiver. But with this RPO, I don't know what the hell I'm doing kind of offense. Um, it's Another one of those talent versus expectations, and I don't expect him to uh, be that well. Um, but he is somebody, again, if I'm drafted, you know, by need and I, I prioritize a lot of different positions, at least I can look at him as a handcuff to AJ and redraft. And as Dynasty, if he is to show up to any bit, any bit of what he did the years prior, we're going to cash on him in Dynasty as well. Looking at the team, shout out to Alex Matteo, 94 on Twitter. He pretty much had pointed out that Jalen Hurts had eight passing touchdowns called back in 2021 and presumably 200 to 300 yards uh, as well. Just off of TDs alone, uh, Hurts would have finished QB5 with 369 uh, fantasy points, which is actually which kind of lends to the ADP. Oh, oh, I'm missing two games, too. So his ADP is QB9 uh, per uh, football as a still. And I, I like to point that out because I didn't even know that. That was a fun fact to me. Um, Hurts, I think he's going to do relatively well. I think he's somebody I would take a – not a reach, but I would kind of go higher than his expected ADP. I because agree. I agree. If you want him, you have to go for him. Yeah, you're going to have to commit to him um, a lot sooner than you would a lot of other players. People people just have this assimilation uh, that he's not a good quarterback. To me, it's, he's not in conversation with Tua. I just feel like if the offense it was so – it's almost like a bad relationship. It's like a toxic relationship. Like, what do you want me to do? You want me to do RPO? Wait, you want me to pass? Wait, you want to put me in these formations that don't exploit any defense or take advantage of any matchups or mismatches? Like, what do you want me to do kind of thing? And if they can kind of mellow around and gel around his skill set, this could be a scary-ass offense. Um, but I think that, you know, he, I think he's in a good place, but they do have the draft capital if he's not the guy to go and re- get his replacement that quick in a hurry. So that's the only thing I'll, I'll say about the Eagles. I like Hurts, but we got you got to pay up to get him. The thing to keep in mind as well, although you may have to draft him around or two higher than you want to, he's still going to be going after several other quarterbacks have already gone, and he should actually put up similar numbers to those quarterbacks. So he's, for me, back in, in tier two as far as quarterbacks are concerned, but with the capability of putting up tier one numbers. As you just stated, if half of those touchdowns that were called back for whatever reason weren't, we'd be looking at this guy as he was a fantasy stud. And again, he came in, I want to say, I want to say he was either five or six last year. He got that much production with all of those issues going on. So I, I just think that Hurts is a, he's a baller. He, he's just one of them dudes that for whatever reason, certain NFL clicks may not find him as their cup of tea, but the dude only goes out and balls like, like, I, I don't know what else you can really ask for him on, on that particular team with the weapons that he had at the time. But now he should be able to maximize. Um, with that being said, the last team 
in the division, we have the Washington Commanders, soon to possibly be the Virginia Commanders. That's going to be interesting. I don't, I'm not sure if you guys saw the, the news story out there about them purchasing multi-millions dollars worth of land out there in Virginia, Northern Virginia. Um, but that'll be kind of interesting to see if that ends up being a practice facility or the new home for the commanders, which <clears throat> the name actually lends itself a little bit more to that area because the commanders kind of goes along with the, the military theme. And if you know anything about Virginia, some of the, the larger Navy bases and things of that nature are right there in that neck of the woods. So may, they may be about to placate or cater to that particular crowd. So we'll see how that ends up working out. But number one receiver, we have Terry McLaurin, who is currently under a contract tiff, if you will. Uh, he's not going the way of the A.J. Brown and saying, get me the hell out of here. But he wants to get paid and he wants to get paid now. They just brought in Jahan Dotson, who either is going to be a heck of a number two or possibly their number one, just depending on how things go, how things go with Terry McLaurin. They also have Curtis Samuel in the slot. And I just saw some information indicating that he's actually in OTAs right now. So he's 100 percent healthy. And Curtis Samuel, he he was a guy, you know, he, he was um doing his thing prior to injury and he probably burnt quite a few people last year. And he's going to be one of those guys that I would say you might want to look at spending one of those later round or last round picks on, because if everything goes correctly, he may be one that is leaned upon. He is a slot receiver. So especially if you're looking at a PPR type, he's also the quote unquote Debo Samuels tight wide back, if you will, not saying that he's on his level, but um, this guy gets carries out of the backfield as well. So they may be able to utilize him in a plethora of ways. You have Carson Wentz at quarterback, which in my opinion, he's a step above Taylor Heineke. Um, you also have the rookie Sam Howell, who could fuck around and be the starting quarterback by their bye week just depending on how things go. At running back, we got a crowd. Uh, Antonio Gibson, we have J.D. McKissick. Then we have Brian Robinson, the rookie out of Alabama. And Jarrett Patterson is also still there. They picked up our Reggie Bonifant, who was formerly with, I want to say he was with San Fran and Carolina as well. He's with the Panthers, yeah. Yeah, so um, they kind of have a crowded backfield. My, my biggest takeaway with this team is they can mess around and compete for the division or they can mess around and compete for the first overall pick. I have no clue which direction Washington is going to go. Wentz is one of those guys who, when he's right, he can get you to the promised land. When he's wrong, you're going to be walking around that desert for 40 years. <laughs> so it's, I just can't, I can't put a bead on him. What I can say is his coach, Riverboat Ron, is known for kind of putting the kibosh on the uh, happy-go-lucky style of offense. And, and he may make it to where it's a, we're going to run, we're going to throw on third down, even, even though you know it's coming, and then you're going to have to deal with our defense. If their defense comes back to be as good as we thought they were going to be last year, that, that was a whole nother reason why the offense really didn't do as well as they could have because the defense really didn't get them the ball the way they normally would. Um, With Scary Terry, he has all the talent in the world. I do like the fact that Carson went deep ball is pretty decent, so that may bode well for Terry. I mean, either way you slice it, to date, Wentz is going to be the best quarterback that he's played with, so it's not like he should take a downturn based on, on the change at quarterback. We'll see what happens with the rookie, Jahan Dotson. I believe that him and Terry McLaurin are actually almost like mirror images of each other. It's almost as if Washington is preparing to lose Terry, or either they revere him so much that 
if they could carbon copy them, they would, which is what they kind of did. So it's it's one of the two of those things. Backing up Terry, you have Cam Sims, and backing up Dotson, you have Diami Brown. Both of those young guys, uh, they kind of showed up in some spots, and then there was some spots that it was just like, really, you dropped that. This team could go either way. I still like the Eagles the best in the division, but based on the talent on the team, if all things come together, Washington could easily be number two with the Cowboys backing them up. And I do have the Giants as being the tail end of the division. I'm going to just go ahead and say it. Carson Wentz is a game manager. Fade, 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 fade. For all this, they could have just kept Tyler Haneke, not pick up Carson Wentz' contract, and just got them a quarterback 2023. My personal opinion, because I think we're, we're, to your point, Wentz plays the first half of football relatively well. And then for whatever reason, he just takes a deep sea dive and just become dumpster doo-doo. So he's a big fade for me. Um, going to the running back position, it's time to fade Antonio Gibson. I agree. Um, I get it. He, he played through a shin injury. He looked good last year, but to me, he didn't look like a shell of himself. It was just like, hey, we need a big power back. You're the biggest guy on the team. Just run four or five yards of carry. Don't be as explosive as you once were. Don't do any thing in addition to when you just tell like he just not built for it as far as being the guy um is they showed by bringing in brian robinson who and that's what i was goal line guy and that's what i'm about to say brian robertson uh i love i like this pick it was one of those sneakier picks in the draft that afterward i'm just looking like damn that was really fucking smart because I don't look at Antonio Gibson as even a two-down back. He has, like, that David Johnson decline for me. And I don't want to be rude because, you know, I think these guys, you know, this is what they do. But he has that David Johnson decline for me. So it's a fade. Obviously, McKissick for PPR is just going to be still gold. I think you still go back to him. And Brian Robinson is somebody, uh, not for redraft, but in Dynasty, where you just got to see where the hat lies because I, I feel like he has the potential to be the lead back. Um, and that's only two downs with this team, which ain't much. But if you just if you hold on to him in dynasty, just see where the value goes. If not, you can always drop him, kind of thing, or even just hold on to him for for year two or three if you have the available space. Going on to tight end, I don't want to speak on Logan Thomas. He's always hurt. I'm surprised they didn't draft somebody, but we already know his upside. But it's not worth it for me. And then the wide receivers, relatively quickly, six foot, five eleven, five eleven. Six foot. I don't trust nobody. I want to. Uh, to me, you can always trust Terry. the same guy. Yeah, <laughs> like what the fuck? This is like this redundancy. Uh, Cam Sims is like six three, six four, but he's like a, a afterthought um, on his team. Antonio Gandy Golden, he's like six five, but he ain't, he too raw. And I think Terry's a great wide receiver, but I feel like this was the time to have got a Drake London, to have got one of these bigger receivers to kind of differentiate and kind of diversify the offense. But when you got everybody that does the same thing, got the same bill, I don't I don't trust anybody. And I think with with Terry, as great as he is, illustrious he is with you know separation routes, um being very instinctual, uh, great separation, all these great attributes, you can scheme him out of the game, and we saw it. How they can be how they disabused Heineke after they took him out of the game. They just destroyed him. And that's what happened to Wentz all season. They're gonna take Terry out the game and then they're gonna just gouge and rape him, figuratively speaking. Um, so I don't I'm it's buyer beware with, with Terry, but at the same time, if you get him as a wide receiver too, are you gonna complain? I, 
I shut the fuck up if I get him in the sixth round or seventh round if he's there. And they did by chance draft a couple of tight ends, but they must have been kind of later guys. That Cole Turner and Curtis Hodges and Amar Armani Rogers. I think the battle is going between John Bates. Can we see what Bates did uh, coming into the season? And Logan Thomas. I think that's the one, too. But even at that, you don't want to take a look at that. Um, If the name was a bit bigger, we would have looked at tight end with a little bit more value. Um, Jahan Dotson, just, and I'm going to pass it on to Van. He is okay. I don't like, um, tr- I think he is, he, he has the potential to be a good uh, starting wide receiver. But again, I just feel like this offense is not diverse to succeed. I don't see where he can have a great role in this offense. And we already know Curtis Samuel is a slot receiver. So like you said, I'm going to have a guy that's 5'11 playing on the outside. Good luck. I'm going to make this quick. And it's going to be like extremely quick. I don't like no one on this team fantasy wise. I don't like the quarterback. I don't like none of the receivers. I mean, Terry McLaurin, of course, you like him, but being that everything that's going on, I don't even know what's that going to look like. Is he going to show up? Is he going to sit out a couple games? He probably be the only guy I like as far as draft wise. I, I mean, Curtis Hammond could be a, a, a nice little steal on the deep, 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 deep leagues. Being that he didn't play last year, and that's going to put a bad taste tasting a lot of people's mouths and they're yeah. not going to mess with him. But he's still, he's a talent. And being that the new acquisition of the quarterback, maybe they may have a rapport. I don't know. But I don't like Antonio Gibson. And it's already come out saying he's probably going to be in the timeshare as well. For me, on my team, I doubt I would have any commanders on it. So <laughs> I would avoid all these guys, to be honest with you. If you can get one and trade one or something, upgrade to someone else that's cool but i just don't like the the, the way their offense is going and i, and I want to score points on, on my team i'm not a fan of anybody on this on the scene be honest with you and that pretty much wraps up the show for this week so next week we'll be going with the afc north followed by the nfc north stick with us we'll have your breakdowns make sure that you have information on all the fantasy relevant teams make sure you got all the info you need to dominate your league we out